Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. So I'm a little bit late on this Warriors Rockets game. I watched it, but I didn't get a chance to record an episode right after. Uh, The Warriors, they beat the Rockets 120-101, and this game has been well reported on already. But I'll just say that it's nice that the Warriors, I mean, I've said things like this before recently, but it's nice that the Warriors are now at a point where we can start looking at their games and breaking down what the little things, the finer things they need to fix, work on, uh, where they're kind of lacking. I mean, it's how it is usually, you know, it's how it's been for the last few years since I started doing these uh, game by game episodes uh, instead of the beginning of the season where it was like, what's wrong? Everything's wrong (laughs) and nothing made sense. Like the whole Warriors uh, uh, ecosystem was turned upside down. But, you know, in this game, the Warriors obviously had complete total control. And that second unit, I mean, it was the starters too a little bit at the end of the third quarter, but the second unit that was led by Draymond had their first, you know, reasonable blip where they let the rope slip a little bit in the beginning of the fourth. And then uh, the Warriors vets and Steph and whomever else came in the game and just hit a bunch of shots and then pushed it out of reach for the six and 17 Rockets. So, you know, clearly now you can say that, okay, this is two games in a row where the Warriors have, have done that and they need to basically tighten it up. Uh, They've beaten a couple teams that are obviously lesser than them, and they need to be able to just lock it up, lock it down, right? Uh, Against better teams, they don't yet, they haven't proven that they have the luxury of just flipping the switch. Uh, Maybe they will soon, but obviously, especially at 13-11 with some, you know, bad losses, not so far back in the rearview mirror. You want to make sure that they start tightening things up. I've talked about how in uh, the stretch of five games from games 21 to 25, I wanted to see, hopefully I thought they could go four and one right now. They're three and one. They play the surprisingly good Indiana Pacers uh, on Monday night. And they're currently playing uh, the Blazers in Portland. So Indiana will be traveling from Oregon on the second night of a back-to-back. And it's been reported that Andrew Wiggins and uh, I believe Jordan Poole are questionable for the game. I'm assuming that'll get upgraded, but we'll see. But if those two dudes sit, obviously we get Clay back, but you'll definitely see, definitely see a lot more uh, Moses Moody and you'll see a lot of Jonathan Kaminga. And you'll probably see some Ty Jerome as well, which obviously all of you are, are clamoring for. In this game against the Rockets, Moses Moody, he got bumped up in the rotation. He got some playing time because Clay sat. Clay doesn't play so far on uh, the second night of back-to-backs. And Moody was was solid. You know, He hit some big shots for them. Uh, he was four for five, three from three from three. Uh, 11 points, still minus 16, but overall, it's nice to see that he can come in and he's ready to let it fly. We've always known ever since his initial interviews before the draft, the 21 draft, that he was a 
true professional, right? A kid who was like 19 years old, but acted as if, carried himself as if he'd been in the league for like five years. So it's good to see him kind of just show up and do his thing. And, you know, he said in the presser afterwards that it sucks. And of course it sucks. It definitely sucks. He was the guy that we all assumed out of the three lotto picks would, okay, he, he's, he's plug and play. He's definitely going to be in the rotation. And he's not. It's not exactly clear why. You know, some of it has been spoken that, you know, he has been a little bit lackadaisical, a little porous on defense, that he's hunting his shot, etc. And maybe, maybe uh, knowing that and seeing that Kaminga is, you know, making the extra pass, not hunting his shot, not trying to just pad stats, uh, that maybe Moody will kind of be able to crack the rotation a little bit more. We'll see. We'll see. I've said, and I will continue to say that I hope eventually, again, I know that he and Anthony Lamb are different positions, but that hopefully Anthony Lamb gets shoved down the rotation a little bit. I don't know. That's just me because I want to see the lotto picks out there eventually. But I totally get that Lamb is, he's been solid. He's had a couple games where it's like a blip and he gets benched for a little bit. It is what it is. I want to talk about Andrew Wiggins a little bit, you know, in praise of Andrew Wiggins. I've said many times that he has been the Warriors' uh, second most consistent, second best player this season from the very beginning. Sure, Steve Kerr has talked about how his defense hasn't been as good as it was last year, but a lot of other dudes have been you know, have had slower starts all around. But uh, Wiggins in that Rockets game, 34 minutes, 14 for 19, 8 for 10 from three. Uh, Clank both, both of his free throws, uh, plus 34 on the night, 36 points, five boards, two assists, two steals, and a block, and only one foul. So in a way, <laughs> you know, I I guess I was kind of wrong about Andrew Wiggins. I did not think... You know, and I, I alluded to this uh, after a previous game of the season, but I did not think he could get that much better. You know, I thought, especially last season where uh, he was very, very good. And then when the All-Star uh, break hit afterwards, he tailed off and then he came back in the playoffs. And I really think it's the playoffs where he really saw his role and where he saw like, oh, this is what it takes day in, day out to win a championship and not just simply the work ethic, but like how he fits into everything. Right. I was looking at his uh, usage before and when he played for Minnesota, that dude was playing 36, 37, 36 minutes a, a game. And now he's playing 32, 31, maybe pushing 33. So he is, he's a role player. We know that, right. He's a very, very, very uh, good role player, but uh, he knows exactly where he fits. He knows who he is now. And I think in his career uh, of kind of, you know, being in high school, like not that highly touted until the end of his high school career, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Of course, he played one year at Kansas with Joel Embiid. Then he became the number one pick and he had all this pressure on him and then et cetera. You know, so after that, it was like, who is Andrew Wiggins and the playoffs in the finals showed him who he is and who he needs to be. It showed him who he is so much that he took a pay cut. 
right? <laughs> like he's like, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. And I'm going to take a pay cut because that's okay. <laughs> because that fits and that makes sense. So earlier in the season, I was talking about how good his uh, percentages were from the field and they're still as good, if not better, right? 51% from the field, 45% from three. And uh, surprisingly, uh, he's 63% from the line, which uh, I think it was a little bit higher earlier in the season, but I think uh, that has dipped. But just got to say that like, if Andrew Wiggins was not on this team, if he was not playing as consistently, if he was... Honestly, remember how questionable he was at the beginning of last season where people on Twitter were saying like, you know, trade him, move him, whatever. His first couple seasons here, it seemed like he wasn't like that, that uh, Andrew Wiggins athleticism, that Maple Jordan stuff that we used to hear. He really wouldn't put it on display. A lot of his drives were like just, you know, simple layups and he would clank them sometimes and whatnot. And ever since that last season started going, he clearly became more aggressive. He's had so many highlight dunks that will forever be etched in my mind and the minds of all Warriors fans, right? Like the, the Luca dunk, the two dunks on Carl Anthony Towns in the regular season last year. It has clicked for him. Uh, I talked about early in the season how I had hoped and expected, you know, that the Warriors young guys would make that like post championship leap. You know what I mean? They get that championship bump where uh, young dudes who uh, play in the finals, deep in the playoffs, they they really, really, you know, like have this confidence when they come back the next season. And, you know, you see that too from guys who go to the Olympics with Team USA for the first time. All of a sudden they see the work ethic. They see that it really does pay off and they're more committed, all that jazz. But I was, I guess I was wrong. You know, I was wrong in the sense, only in the sense that uh, I mistakenly uh, forgot that what is actually really important to get that championship bump is to have played a ton of minutes in the playoffs. And bottom line is like Moody did play in the Western Conference finals and he was quality and all that stuff. And Kaminga gave some good minutes, especially, uh, I believe, against Memphis and whatnot. So I'm not knocking their contributions at all, but like the one who got the really big bump. Uh, is Andrew Wiggins, right? Because he's shown it from the very start. And he played a ton. He was critical, second best player in the playoffs for the Warriors last year, right? So uh, that is the guy, right? I think I, I did an episode where I talked about the championship bump in the preseason, and I was expecting to see guys like Kaminga and Moody just come in and all of a sudden, like, you know, uh, improve the way like uh, Mikael Bridges did. Uh, on the Suns after they made the finals. So he was more critical for them in the finals than uh, the Warriors young guys. And obviously, you know, James Wiseman didn't even suit up all of last season uh, and he wasn't in the playoffs nor the finals. But Wiggins, you know, again, if the Warriors didn't have him, uh, they're two games above 500 right now and they'd probably be, I don't know, like five games under. So uh, we'll see. But uh, again, just reiterating from the previous episode, I I feel good about the Warriors and where they're at at this point. If they can get this game against the Pacers, then that's four and one right there. And that's a very, very good stretch. The thing is, it's important to get that game uh, because right now 
with Portland playing right now. Uh, the Warriors are in the sixth spot earlier today, maybe a couple hours ago. <laughs> uh, the Warriors had dropped back down to like the ninth seed, and that's how tight everything is. And pretty soon, you know, as December goes on, you'll see more and more separation. But what comes up for the Warriors after game 25, after the Pacers game, is a tougher stretch, right? You'll get uh, a game in Utah, then you go to Boston, you get Milwaukee at home. You see the Pacers again, but on the road. And then you play in Philly. So uh, that's the middle of a Eastern Conference road trip. After that, they get Toronto in Toronto. Then they go to New York, play the Knicks, and then the Nets. And then they come home for Christmas against the Grizzlies. So it's, you know, there, there's a couple like, you know, games that they should win, but there's a lot of tough ones in there. There's a lot of tough ones. And as far as we've been seeing lately, they're looking better. They're looking better. But they've played some poor teams, teams that are trending downwards or teams that are just young and trying to trying to improve and even trying to tank. So they really should snag this Indiana one before going out. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Because, you know, everything's all nice now and just, you know, the Warriors are working stuff out, but this is a true test. It's a true test. If they come out of this next stretch, I don't know how many games I counted right there, like nine or something, but if they come out of that, like three and six, then, you know, you're going to start, you know, seeing the hand wringing, of course, and issues that come up. But at least at that point, you can look at this team and, you know, you know what they have right now and it's reasonable. And then you can move from there. You know, if that, Again, it <laughs> means moving, you know, anybody that we've talked about, right? All these fake trades going around because that's what sports fans and media love to talk about. Uh, we all love to talk about the hypothetical. We, all, we love to talk about hope, right? And uh, uh, I think it's going to be very, very interesting from now until the, the trade deadline. The NBA season is heating up and there are still so many unknowns like, will James Wiseman actually be on this Warriors team by the end of the season? I hope so. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. The app is super easy to use. Just pop it open, do what you got to do, and you're good to go. Download the app now. Sign up with code TBPN. Place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. One dude that I was looking forward to in this game that is actually injured. And as of now, uh, he is not going to play uh, against the Warriors. He's actually not playing against the Blazers tonight, but uh, uh, is Tyrese Halliburton. The dude's averaging 19 points, 4.7 boards, and 11 assists. He's shooting 37% from three, 84% from the line. And uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'll go back to the 2020 draft. I think if I recall correctly, uh, you know, I've talked about how much I liked Wiseman. I wanted Wiseman. But the first two that I really, really wanted the Warriors to pick from 
were Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman, of course, number one and two in the draft. And then the second two were LaMelo Ball and Tyrese Halliburton. And everybody talks about Tyrese Halliburton, everybody passing on him in the draft until the Sacramento Kings took him with a 12th pick, right? Everybody's like, oh, no one had any idea he was going to be this good. That's that's bull because a lot of people were saying that he was uh, potentially the fourth pick in the draft or that you know the Warriors should take a serious look at drafting Halliburton or, or trading back a little bit and taking him somewhere else in the lottery. And me, I had a, a hypothetical trade in my mind, which was never, never, ever a real thing. Never. This was just something that like, <laughs> as I was like staring at it, the TV screen, I was like, oh man, you know, what if we took that Minnesota pick and traded that for another spot in the 2020 lottery and took Tyrese Halliburton? It would never have happened because that Minnesota pick was so so valuable because you did not know where it could have landed. It could have landed four or five, you know, whatever. Obviously it landed seven. And then a high lottery pick is always worth like so, so much. Uh, but, you know, I, I mentioned in the last episode, like there's another universe where the Warriors drafted Tyrese Halliburton and that guy was just definitely like plug and play. He looked, uh, he carried himself. He has those intangibles, right? He has those things where he, he just look look at him and he knows how to play basketball. He knows how to make uh, a winning play and the next thing. And who knows? Who knows? If the Warriors draft him, you don't know what happens to Jordan Poole, right? You know, does he get pushed out a little bit? Does like that affect uh, how the Warriors look at Poole and play him that season? Maybe, maybe not. But Halliburton is definitely a guy that, uh, you know, just when you're comparing him versus Wiseman right now, it's tough. It's tough to look at because Halliburton is getting all the flowers from everybody. He's getting all the praise about how good he is. And yes, that trade between the Pacers and the Kings worked out for uh, both sides right now. They're both you know, playing well. But my opinion, Tyrese Halliburton is by far the best player in that, in that trade. And as long as he continues on this trend, like, you know, I mean, if I was Sacramento, it's like I would have traded De'Aaron Fox. And, uh, you know, it's going to be tough because it's like Tyrese Halliburton would have been such a perfect warrior, right? Like you always hear about Andre Godala, how over the years with the Warriors and the dynasty, how uh, he would say to Steve Kerr or other coaches or other players, like, you know, get this guy out of here because, you know, this guy's not a Warriors player. Like he, just, he would just make uh, judgments and calls on people and, I'm pretty sure he would say Tyrese Halliburton is a Warriors player. <laughs> he would be, you know, like how Andre said, Pat McCall was his replacement. Tyrese Halliburton would have been his real replacement. But unfortunately, he's not going to play. So he won't be there. But uh, that's a good thing because I guess that means that the Pacers will be down one of their best players. And <laughs> coming off of, it looks like they are right now, they're trailing by 17 to the Blazers uh, with 11 minutes left in the fourth. So coming off a of back-to-back, that's an even better shot for the Warriors to to take uh, this game on Monday. But anyway, I'll leave it at that. I'm super bummed that Tyrese Halliburton is not playing. Also, lastly, uh, I just want to say thanks for all the comments on YouTube about uh, the last episode about whether or not the Warriors should trade for uh, Alex Caruso. Uh, like I said earlier, trades are so... like. People feel passion, passion 
about trades, right? Like they have everything is so definitive. Like this person is good, this person is not. Let's move them. And, da, da, da. and you know, I love to see it. I love the debates. I love uh, talking because, like, uh, in the past, I've been right a ton of times, but I've also been so so very wrong plenty of times. Like I said, where I've been 100 correct, but I will own up to any mistakes that uh, that I've had. And you know, with this Warriors team, you know, we're, we're talking about like people saying like you need to move Wiseman to, to make this team better. It's like, yeah, who knows? Maybe in 10 games after this next stretch that I spoke of, the writing will be on the wall, you know, or maybe the Warriors improve, start showing who they really are, the contenders that we believe them to be. And, and it goes from there. I will catch you after this Pacers game. That is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino or at Oakland Warriors. Check out our YouTube channel where you can watch this episode, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to leave us a nice review saying good stuff about the show, on Apple Podcasts, that would be hugely, hugely appreciated and it would be very, very helpful. Thanks. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time and go Dubs.